0: Just before we get started, I want to give you just a little bit of kind of heads up. Truth is such a buzzword right now in culture, and particularly in this phrase, uh, speak your truth, this idea of this individual truth that we all have. I think in our culture, we're, we're all trying. We're actually groping and craving for truth more than ever. What's absolute? What's transcendent? What's sure? What's firm? What can I anchor kind of an average day on? What's, what's truth? So a lot of people, there's this idea that, you know, speak your truth. What's your truth? I am not here to call foul on that or say that's somehow wrong. I think we're all attempting the best we can. I think we mean well. But, of course, if, um, if everything is true, then what is? That doesn't hold. So then truth becomes a companion to chaos. And God not, never orders chaos. God never authors chaos, He authors order. So if everyone just has their own truth, and we're all living based on our own truth, which is deeply subjective in nature, then there is no such thing as transcendence. There is no such thing as ultimate truth. And what ensues is, is chaotic. It's very difficult for a community to be healthy and vibrant when everyone has their own definition version of truth. So we even know, as a collective community, as societies and constructs of communities, you can't—you actually can't play that out too far. If you really galvanize that everyone just has their own unique truth and gets to live it as they see, that—that actually, it—you won't be safe in the streets. Does that make sense? Like you're like, whoa, this is pretty heavy right out the gate. These are just preliminary comments; they do not count against my preaching time. Okay, so, so. So we're thinking, people, and, and, and we, 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 we know enough um, to know that that, that, that inherently uh, just falls flat eventually, if played out enough, if everyone just has their own truth. So, so I want to talk about our relationship to the truth. Truth has a way is, is the topic. And here's what happened to me a couple days ago. I was flipping through the channels on YouTube TV, and... Um, I think it was like Discovery Channel or whatever. And, and I'll admit, like I kind of am into those like docu-series that are like people's real lives, but I don't think they totally are people's real lives, but we're led to believe that they're like true stories. And they're like the docu-series about like people who had like a partner or a husband or a child or a family that had like this alternate life that they knew nothing about, right? And in this case... I click on the channel, and I'm kind of mesmerized by this woman's husband of many, many years who was secretly killing people, right? Like, what kind of pastor watches this stuff? I don't know. My dad didn't watch this stuff. I'm a long ways from the Lord, okay? And I'm, like, watching this, and I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. He was a murderer. This is nuts. Like, and she's like, he was a really nice guy, you know, like, right? And you're just like, What? Um, I don't think this is, like, the best content, like, a Christian could watch, let alone a human, okay? Just, like, I don't know if this is good for me, but I'm in, right? I'm, like, Discovery, you did it again, you know? It's, like, watching the gazelle get slowly eaten by the leopard, and you're, like, he just bit his head off. That's terrible. Don't look, you know? We're so weird, um... So I'm just watching this, I'm like, wow. And then all of a sudden it breaks to the former wife who's since divorced her husband and he's now serving life in prison. And she says this, she looks at the camera, she goes, I will never forgive him. And now I'm like, Chelsea. I'm looking for Chelsea in the house, you know, because my kids aren't ever there because they're teenagers, you know. Lord knows what they're doing, right? So I'm like, Chelsea. She's like walking by with a decaf coffee, never calf, only decaf. I tell her to live a little, but... um, She's walking by, and I go, Charles, Charles, she won't forgive. That's like paramount in the New Testament. She won't forgive. I will never forgive him, she says. And I'm like, oh, I feel for her. And then she says this, and I never saw it coming. she goes, because the Bible says, and I was like. (laughs) And at least she quoted the Old Testament, but she goes, which is actually a quote in the New Testament, but she goes, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That's what the Bible says. And I'm a big believer in that. I can never forgive him. And now I'm like, Chelsea, come back. We have to, I'm in a theological conundrum, right? Like, come back, this is incredible. This woman claims that she won't forgive because the Bible says her truth is eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Like, no offense. But if you came to me and said, Judah, other than God himself, what's the overwhelming theme of the New Testament? Forgiveness might come out of my mouth. I might end up saying, pretty much forgiveness. you being forgive, you forgive, and you know, forgiveness. And yet, here's a woman, alive today, saying, I won't forgive, because the Bible says. And I thought, how did this happen? Then I started to chuckle. Only to realize that she is me and I am her. I do the same thing. I will be on my way to record a sermon about loving and serving people and be cussing in my car at someone in front of me in a Prius who's going seven miles an hour under the limit that is okayed by the federal government of this country. What is wrong with you? I'm on my way to teach other humans how to love other humans better. Because the Bible says, right, you're like, I don't know, like, where's the truth? Are you like me? Like, I mean, there's so many inconsistencies in my life. I'll never forgive because the Bible says eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And many of us will be like, oh, that is such bad. That is a gross misuse of the Hebrew Bible and the quotation in the scripture of the New Testament. She needs to understand hermeneutics. That's, that's not even biblical. And yet we do it all the time. I hope this doesn't offend anyone, but there was a time in church that Christians, and maybe some that still do, who picket abortion abortion clinics. And I'm sure this doesn't happen anymore. Certainly pray it doesn't happen anymore, where some of it got physically violent. There were Christians fighting other humans physically with what looked like intent to harm them because they were there protecting human life. Wait, what? John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world, for God so loved the world, for God so loved the world. It doesn't say for God so loved the Christians. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We will tattoo John 3.16 on our body and celebrated what's in the goalposts of an NFL game on a nationally syndicated broadcast. And yet, we are quick to say, who can get in and who can't? Am I the only one that's having kind of a unique experience with this idea of truth? So what's happening to us? Furthermore, I know we got real quiet because if you don't feel like this sermon applies to you, you have never needed this sermon more. If there's any thought in you that's like, oh, I wish, uh, this is not a topic that really relates to me. Oh, 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 it's so bad that you don't think this relates to you. That's how bad it's gotten. Like, this should be the sermon that kind of hits you right in the old bullseye, okay? The old hypocrite conversation is hilarious because we all are. We all are. There's only one who has continuity, integrity, and full consistency, and he's called Messiah, superhero, and savior. The rest of us talk out of both sides of our mouth, and the quicker we admit it, the more progress we can experience. I am that lady. I am her. So, What do we do? Furthermore, I've got a sensation that the way we relate to truth might be affecting our depth, fulfillment, and contentment in life. And here's why. Jesus says in John chapter 14, I think it's verse 26, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I'm watching this lady on Discovery Channel. I'm laughing at her. Then I realize I'm laughing at myself because I am her. And all of a sudden it dawns on me, what's wrong with our relationship to the truth, the truth, the truth? And then I'm reminded of the scripture. I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. So here's what I went on, a little discovery, and I asked some really smart theologians and scholars and people who helped me think through sermons, and I said, okay, I need to know, I need to know, I need to know, we've got to do some research. Let's make sure the order is divine. The order, is the order divine? Is the order divine? And we discovered that even in the transliteration, even with all the multiplicity of translations and original languages and new languages and English language and modern vernacular, that actually the order here is consistently observed as divine, that Jesus meant to say he's the way before he's the truth, he's the truth before he's the life, but he is all three. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Therefore, he, he, he is the definition of truth. He is the embodiment of truth. But notice, before there is truth, there is the way. That's why Jesus, when he called his disciples, he said, follow me, not figure me out. And so what has happened before we know it is we've got a delta, and the delta is between what we know to be true and the way we live. So now truth is an accessory that we utilize in a conversation in the form often of platitudes to make ourselves appear spiritual. That's how we can hate on each other online and call ourselves Christian. Because truth is no longer celebrated as it relates to the way, it's celebrated as it relates to mental ascent. So the truth I own is everything I know in my brain. And yet the overwhelming emphasis of the ways of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus is the only truth that you know is the truth that affects your toes. That's the way you walk. It's the way you live. Isn't it interesting, church, that before Jesus says, meet me the truth, he says, meet me the way. I want you to walk with me and then we'll figure it out. I want you to work with me and then you'll understand me. The weirdest exchange maybe ever for Jesus with these 12 guys is how he calls them. Anybody else just weirded out by it? In what other social setting could you walk in and say, follow me, and then just leave? Follow you where? That doesn't seem to be the priority. Where are we going? No, it's just about who. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Jesus is the way. He is the truth which leads to life. Now, John 10.10 says... I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. So this concept of life that Jesus introduces is not mere activation of your brain, your organs, your liver, your nervous system, or the fact that you woke up this morning with a functioning body to a certain extent. Chelsea and I were laughing yesterday. It has been years now. At my age, you wake up every morning and unconsciously you do the inventory of how your body's doing. That is hilarious. That is hilarious. And it dawned on me last night at a dinner date with my wife, I go, oh, my word, do you remember the decades where you woke up and never thought about how your body felt? Because it felt the same way almost every morning. All right, let's go. Now you wake up and you're like, oh, 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 I got to preach today. That's not going to be nice. Oh, my neck. Right? Like, (laughs) it's so real. But anyways, I've lived long enough now in my adult life to, to understand that, that, that I think life is more than just activation of the brain and body. It's, it's fulfillment. It's meaning. It's connection. It's contentment. Jesus in John 10.10 10 says, I don't just give you activation of body and brain. I give you fulfillment in your soul, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So when Jesus, anytime Jesus says life, he's not just talking about life. He's talking about abundant life that is not contingent and dictated and determined by the, 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 the consequences and circumstances you find yourself in. It's a depth of peace, contentment, fulfillment, rest. So why don't we have more of that? Why are Christians just as anxious as everybody else right now? Why is 2022 unhinged evangelicals as much as it's unhinged other belief systems? Why do we feel anxious and worried? Why do I still get text messages from well-meaning Christians telling me to leave the unsafe cities I live in? Why am I now hearing from fellow Christians who are supposed to be on a mission that, you know, it's getting so bad, Jude? I don't know if you've heard, you got to leave. Why is that a theme that keeps encountering me? I don't know if there's been a week in the last couple of years where a well-meaning Christian either had my number, my email, or saw me somewhere in a marketplace and said, hey, are you still gonna stay in Seattle or LA? I heard it's bad. And I don't even know what to say anymore. I'm like, oh man, I don't, maybe I'm weird, but the way I see it is like, wherever it's really bad, a lot of us have to be. I thought that was... I thought that was like a big part of what we do. Historically, Christians are famous for, historically, especially the, early, the earlier ones closer to the, resur- the, 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 the visible resurrection and ascension of Jesus. That when, when there was plagues and diseases and wars, that, that's where you could see whole groups and armies of Christians making themselves available to either be killed themselves to care for those in the line of fire. Wait, wait. Wait, where are you moving? Well, I want to live in a tree fort in Montana too, but there's a mission. What's going on? What's going on with our relationship with the truth? How are we interacting with the truth? How are we treating the truth? How are we talking about the truth? How, where? What? What? Jesus said, "I'm the way." the truth, and the life. So last service, we talked about truth as a person. We talked about truth is union. It's an interaction. This service, I want to make another observation. It's my third observation, but truth needs to be encountered more than truth needs to be explained. We are busy trying to explain truth when we should be facilitating the encounter of truth. There's this big popular notion years ago in the church, it's still popular, but preachers like me need to shape people's worldview. We need proper worldview. And as a parent, I just wanna say for the record, a worldview is a big part of parenting, A, a way to which you can view humanity in the world. But I want to say that worldview matters very little if it doesn't affect how you walk through the world you view. In fact, if I could be so bold as a fellow human being, I don't know if I care nearly as much about how you view your world. I just want to know how you walk in it because that's what will affect me. How do you walk in it? How do you live in it? Jesus says, follow me. And today's modern Christian would be like, where? And at what time? Follow me. Me, and we hear, study me. Jesus says, follow me, and we hear, figure me out. Jesus says, follow me, and we hear, get a degree. which I highly recommend, and is a privilege and an honor, I might add, and I do have a degree, and mine's special because it was given to me. It's my favorite kind. But that isn't, I mean, you know, we can all laugh because it's kind of true. Follow me now has, now it's metaphor for, give yourself to the study of the Hebrew and the Greek and the Aramaic. And if you're like me, I want to study the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic, but I'm still working on English <laughs> and making sure my dog stops barking. I can't stop him. I can't stop my dog from barking. I will never study the Hebrew if this dog doesn't shut up. Follow! Yeah, where are the pictures? There'll be more next time, I promise. (laughs) Follow me. What does this mean? It means truth is in motion. Truth is in the motion. Truth is in motion. Truth is in motion. Truth is not a monument. Truth is a man. Truth is in motion. Where the truth is, is where the motion is. And the motion begins to help you understand the application of the truth. It's the truth. The truth. See, the way truth became like jewelry instead of oxygen is we've domesticated it and we've removed the way from the truth. So now truth is just jewelry. It's an accessory that makes us look better, as opposed to an essential that keeps us alive. So that's how we are so bold online. And we have joined the masses of the world. We are, what, 12 years into the existence of Instagram. And if you're not asking what the next 12 years are going to do to us, you need to. Are we okay? My answer is I have no idea. But things aren't always as promising online as they should be. And that's the nicest way I can say it. We are digesting people's take on our life Every day. And yet the Christians are just as engaged with the same practice. Well, this person's ridiculous and this person. I recently had a friend say about another friend, that friend who preached in our church, this other friend went online to say that my other friend has lost his mind. And it almost happened to me. I was like, oh, really? And I wanted to join the fray. I thought, that's how it happens. I mean, what is going on? I am the way. Listen to Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30. Listen to this again. We've talked about this before, and I'm going to do it in the Message Bible. Jesus says this. Jesus now. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? We'll talk about a religion in a moment. Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Now, listen to this. I've done this before, but I'm going to do it again. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Here is your relationship to truth in a rhythmic phrase. Here's how you should be relating to truth. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. That should define your journey with truth. Walk with me. Work with me. And watch how I do it. Walk with me work with me, and watch how I do it. Jesus had 12 disciples who were steeped in racism. You have to know that. A lot of people don't like that. They're like, you shouldn't say that. Why? It's true. There are so many racist moments with these guys. They they absolutely despise certain people groups, and frankly, they are not big fans of kids and women at all. They're just not. And guess what Jesus does? He says, follow me. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Hey, do not tell the moms and the kids to go away. Bring them to me. Walk with me. Work with me. And watch how I do it. We're going to go through Samaria, boys. What? What? I got a lunch date with a woman. A Samaritan woman? Yeah. These guys are so compromised in their limited frame of mind that for Jesus to have a proper conversation, he has to send them on a little outing to get food so that they won't hinder his conversation with this woman. That's how bad it is. Well, what is Jesus doing? He's discipling. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Truth is now something we debate when originally it was a direction for us to take. That was something we debate. Well, I voted for, well, I believe. Perfect. Can we stop talking and get on with it? walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. You know the original name for Christians, right? God didn't give the term Christian. By the way, that wasn't authored by God. Neither was the original title. It was outsiders who named us this. We were originally called people in the way or people of the way. Our first title given to Jesus worshipers and followers is people who were on their way. What way? The way he paved. The way of Jesus. I'm not asking you today or myself, Judah, do you know about Jesus? I'm asking you, are you walking with him? Are you working with him? And are you watching how he does it? This delta and disparity we have between the way and the truth, which Jesus tries to synthesize and synchronize and make very clear that they are one of the same. They're all found in one person. It is this delta, it is this disparity of why we have so many people who declare their truth but don't live it. I'll say it this way. This is why we have the repeating of the content of Jesus, but we never reflect the character of Jesus. So we will speak about, we'll speak phrases that Jesus uses, but not the way he uses them. So we'll say phrases that Jesus says, but we don't have his attitude, we don't have his heart, we don't have his posture, and that's why the world goes, what? Or was it Gandhi who said, I love your Christ, I just don't like your Christians? Wasn't it Mark Twain who said, if Jesus came back to earth, he wouldn't be a Christian. Now you could be like, quote Mark Twain and Gandhi in here, give me a break. Just saying. This perception's been around for a little while. This delta. If I said today you met someone like this, Just think, just think. And I'm I'm just being, I'm being cheeky now. Let's just have fun because we can and it's daylight savings. (laughs) What's the emotion you get if you run in today to someone in the marketplace or at lunch, dinner, or walk around your neighborhood and they said, imagine if someone walks up to you and go, are you a believer? And you'd say, yes. They go, good. You read the word of God? You read the word? Are you a Bible-based believer? What are the emotions that start to come up in you? Because I bet they're kind of like, Ooh. uh-oh, uh-oh. I better not tell them that I like to chew tobacco, ever. What if I told them I wore a hat today in church? I don't think they'd be happy. What if I told them I only read like one verse a week? I'm not going to tell me. You ever read through the Word, the whole Word? You ever read through the whole Bible? People say they believe God. They never read the whole book. And then you lie, and you say, yeah, and you know you never cracked Leviticus, not one time. (laughs) But the standard of a true believer is the amount of content you've consumed and acquired. And it leads to great pomp, circumstance, and ceremony. Where we act dignified and magnified and glorified and every other fide you can think of. And yet, there's a delta. Where's the love? Where's the practice of empathy? Empathy. Let alone sympathy, empathy, sympathy. Where, where's the care? Where's the... Jesus had friends that were so not in the church and knew nothing of the Torah that people questioned him and that's how we got like the prodigal son story. It's because people were like, Jesus, you have bad friends. You had to get new friends. You say you're God, but anyone who's God wouldn't hang out with people who don't know God. God would only hang out with God people who dress godly, talk godly, act godly. You know, godly people who vote godly, who have a godly worldview, pay their taxes and fly an American flag out of their front part of their home. I can guarantee If Jesus was in 2022, he'd have friends you wouldn't like. And that makes me wonder. Friends I wouldn't like. One old preacher took me to dinner one night years ago, and he said um, he was talking about a major preacher years and years and years ago. Most of this generation wouldn't even know the name, so I won't say it. But he had a big public failure, and everybody was pretty disgruntled. And he said, Judah, I remember when it unraveled. I was serving under his leadership, and I can tell you when it happened. He started to know who was in and who was out, and that's when I felt uncomfortable. He started to say who was a true believer and who wasn't. And that's when I knew we had made ourselves out to be the great judge. Something wasn't right. See, what ends up happening in churches when the truth is removed from the way, the truth plays part in pride because it is acquired and sustained in self promotion. But over here, when the truth is connected to the way, you're like a climber trying to summit Everest. And oxygen is the most precious thing to you in the world. Every breath is a gift. Because it keeps you alive. We're down here when we go to Chili's after church. We don't even think about breathing. But when you're in the way, the truth is life and death. It's everything because you're in the wild, wonderful adventure of Jesus. Think about this other consideration, and and, I think this will encourage you. Truth discovered apart from the way almost always leads to religion and all of its forms of conformity. So we replace incarnation with information. I'm going to read that again. When truth is discovered apart or is removed from the way, it leads to religion, it's conformity. And this is why. Truth apart from the way makes for pride by removing the need for dependence and guidance. Because your truth is a statue, not a savior. Your truth is now these memorials that you've lined up, your good doctrine and your good theology, and they are they are foundations, they're essential. And so now you have prepared talking points to every question about what is platitudes and cliches where there is supposed to be dependence and desperation. How'd we get here? We forgot that the way is first. We forgot that he is truth. He doesn't disseminate it. He doesn't just speak it. He is truth. What is true? The best answer I can give you in 2022 is Jesus. You hear me? Well, what is true anymore? Jesus. I don't know about the Old Testament. What's true? Jesus. Death, burial, resurrection, ascension, sinlessness, born of a virgin, totally in charge, king of kings, the great comforter, the great guide, the great provider, the great protector, the great healer, the lion, the lamb, the lily, the rose of Sharon, right? What's truth? The man Jesus is truth. Everything he does, everything he is, it's all truth. But when you make truth concepts and mere conversation points, it naturally, only naturally leads to pride, elitism, which informs escapism. And that's why many evangelicals want to move away from any pain. By the way, so do I. In case you were wondering like, "Oh Judas, are you're mad at everybody in Montana and Wyoming?" No. There's a lot of mission in Montana and Wyoming. I'm not making a case, you know, you, you move to Nashville. Everybody's moving to Nashville. That's awesome. There's lots to do in Nashville as well in mission. I'm just saying escapism, any form of escapism, it, it plays partner because of elitism. And elitism is informed by a truth that is a monument, not a man, a truth removed from the life and the way and the guide and the hike and the trip. And now we... And now we use truth as a protection mechanism to keep us from what our greatest fears are. And our greatest fears are ruining our career and compromising our comfort. And so what we need to do is we got to get everybody to see our view and everybody to quit doing. And that's why we're Christians are more opinionated today than they've ever been. Because if you called the modern Christian like me, if Jesus said, follow me, I'd be like, no problem. Let's sit down, talk about a couple things before we take off. <laughs> First thing is 401k, God. Um, <laughs> you want everybody to onboard with you, but you're not even you know, talking about the uh, retirement package. So that's going to be something we're going to have to just, you know, we, we can go quickly here. I mean, you're God. I generally trust you. But... Uh, How's that gonna work out? Uh, And then a guarantee for my kids. Can I get a quick guarantee on that one as well? Guarantee. All right, okay, good. And then real quick question. Um, Before I follow you, where are we going? And do you know what God is famous for? Never, ever telling you exactly where you're going. Everyone's like, Father Abraham had many sons. Like, oh, Abraham, let's have the faith of Abraham. What we need is a generation with the faith of Abraham. Be careful what you wish for. For Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. Because evidently, the where is not nearly as important as the who. You know what the zenith of truth is? The zenith, the pinnacle of all truth is being with it. Not using it, knowing it, it's being with it for he is truth. Truth in the dimension that God is completely truth personified is another invitation to be with him. Follow me. Nashville? Orlando? Austin? Vancouver? BC? Or Washington? San Francisco? Scottsdale? God, where are you? Real quick, where? Ah, let's go. Let's. Let's go. L- look at this scripture. You, 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 you just This scripture is amazing. I forget where it is, guys, because you put, oh, there it is. Thanks. Listen to this. Jesus, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. <laughs> Wait, what? There's going to be a journey here what do you mean by journey? I'm going to put my spirit form in you and on you, and you're going to have to have interaction, dependence, desperation, ambiguity, unknownness, risk. But he's going to be there, and you're going to hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. When did this Stop getting messy. When did we have? When did we start having all the answers? When did this happen? When did we start treating each other like we're not all going to die with false concepts of God? I don't mean all- the big ones, but the- I can guarantee. I sound like the TNT crew. On the NBA, I can guarantee, just like Charles Burger, I can guarantee there's something right now that you think about God that isn't true. Isn't that cool to say that? It's like kind of exhilarating. Yeah. You have bad doctrine right now. I can guarantee it. But give us one second online. Well, you know, this this I don't think that is come on now why aren't we changing our mind more why aren't we disagreeing with ourselves more why aren't we saying things like oh, I don't believe that anymore I was at a dinner with some pastors and they were laughing at what we used to think and yet they were treating what they currently think the same way they treated what they used to think as if it was stationary, immovable, and finished. Me and you, we keep frustrating a true depth of life and meaning because we keep putting periods where God puts dot, dot, dot. I'm talking about the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. I'm talking about... Like I said before, there are people with hats on in this room. Shaddai's got a hat on, and he's a licensed minister of the gospel in this church. Obviously, that's unbiblical. Can't wear a hat in God's house as a man of God. And yet we laugh, but there are still people who believe the Bible says. Men cannot wear coverings over their heads in the house of God. I will never forgive them. But the Bible says eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Wait, wait, you don't know that forgiveness is like paramount? What? We got to get out there. Look at the next verse. I just got to read John 14, 27. Just, oh, it's amazing. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give, not as the world gives, I give to you. And let your heart not be troubled, and You let them be afraid. It is a verse 28, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'll come to you. If you've loved me, you've rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it takes place. So when it does take place, you may believe, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world coming. He has no claim on me. But as do the Father's command to me, so the world may know that I love. Ra- Ra- Let's go. That might be the most important part of that scripture for 2022 Christians. Rise. Let's go. Let's go. We, 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 we got places to go. Where? Well, I shouldn't have said we got places. We got someone to be with. And he's in motion. He's on a mission. And it's the rescue mission of humanity and the earth. So rise, let us be going. There are people here under the sound of my voice, you know who I'm talking to because the Holy Spirit will instruct you accordingly. There are other people this does not apply, so I trust the Holy Spirit to apply it as necessary. There are some people in here and you keep wondering if the word is go. The word is go. God told me to tell you, you gotta get up, you gotta make a move, and you gotta go. He is the way. Then he's the truth. and he's the life. Look at Psalm 1611, I think it is, Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and is your right hand or pleasures evermore. Guys, do you have that in the passion or the message or any other translation? Because I think it's the passion. I love it in the passion, too. But if you don't have it in the passion, that's fine, too, because I don't have it memorized at all. There it is. Thank you for you bring me a continual revelation of resurrection life. What? Where'd you get this continual revelation? Sitting at home, Googling who's God on the internet? Where'd you get this continual revelation? The path to the bliss that brings me face to face with you. There's emotion. There's a movement. There's activity. I will not pass to the next generation a stagnant, statue, stationary view of God in this world. We will hand to the next baton, motion, union, relationship, communion, fellowship. We will submit to the next generation when that time comes that they must be dependent upon the spirit of Jesus if they're going to navigate this life. They must be dependent. It's not just the books you read, the blogs you read, or the podcasts you podcast. You've got to know the Holy Spirit. He's on the inside of you. The Bible says you can't say Jesus Christ is Lord without the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit who will nudge you. It's the Holy Spirit who will guide you. People are asking me all the time. 16.4 million people all over the world are engaging with your content. But how will you disciple them? And how will you train them? And we assume so arrogantly that and it's our classes, and it's our teaching, and it's our degrees that disciple the human soul. I'm here to declare and go on record, there's no discipler like the Holy Spirit of God. He is the ultimate discipler, and he's with us wherever we go. So we're going to continue to build a church that requires the indwelling and activity of the helper, the Holy Spirit, to guide you. If you were in Ukraine right now, I don't have the wherewithal, the understanding, nor the tools to tell you what you should do in Ukraine right now. I don't know. But when you get there, if God tells you to go, he'll lead you by his Holy Spirit. We act as if we have answers for everything. No, 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 we do not. God, by his Holy Spirit, will guide you. And then... What I think the benefit is, is life in all of its richness, in all of its fullness, the greatest risk is taking no risk at all. I I promise you, I've had so many conversations with God. We're friends. So I tell him what I really think, and I tell him how frustrating it is sometimes to be going in this direction and trying to build this model because it's difficult even on the pastor. I'm like, God, what are you asking us to do? Church at home, church home, we're gathering, but then but what are you, what, what are you asking us to do? And I thought God was really, really caught up in the model of church. And then recently I'm like, wait a second, I know what you're doing. This is what you do to every successive generation. You ask them to do something new, so they need you. That's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. My dad had a vision, I remember on this stage, he's like, we're gonna go to multi-site. And everybody was like, multi-site? He says, we're gonna have other buildings in the same city. And everyone was like, that makes no sense we have a nice building right here, preacher. You're gonna have one 10 minutes away? And then they started doing the metrics and they discovered that people 10 minutes away would actually get involved in church far more than if they had to drive 10 minutes further. They've actually done studies on it now. I've I've got friends with 20 different sites in the same city. Just a few years ago, you and I both heard Wendell Smith say it and thought, that's weird, that's weird. That's weird. Now it's normal. And now here comes the information age and the internet and technology. And we're all like, it's the worst. I hate it. We're all hurting each other. And then the questions begging to be asked, but God, do you have a plan? And he's like, I want you to do this. And we're like, what is that? Where are we going? And he's like, I'll show you. Well, show us now so that I can tell the whole church everything you're gonna do the next 20 years. And then I think more people will be here. Nah. Follow me. Where? Where I go? Well, where are you going? I'm gonna go where I go. So what's the point? Yeah. I just want you to be with me. Well, I think I do too. Okay. You ready? Yeah, Um, but I can't ask about the 401k, or can I? <laughs> ah, you're cute. I'll tell you this much, Jude, I'll take care of you. You promise? I promise. Promise I'm going to be okay? Ultimately, yeah, you'll be okay. What does ultimately mean? Never mind. Some of you know I'm talking to you. You know it and I know it. Some sermons almost just encourage and some sermons challenge. And this is one of those. We will be together in heaven. But until then, the Lord of the harvest, the king of the castle, the commander of the army, and the father of the family sends his kids where he pleases. And he goes with them wherever they go. And sometimes he walks them through valleys where death is all around. And he says, I'm here. Sometimes he walks us on the mountaintops and the vista is stunning. And he says, I'm here. And most days are just neither in the valley nor in the mountain. It's just in the plains. Some Some days feel so plain, you know? But he's there. He's there. I wanna remind you, Church of God, it is not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. If we can do church without his spirit, I wonder if we're the church at all. We need, I need his spirit like I need oxygen. I need his spirit like I need blood in my body. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the abundant life. Isn't it interesting that if you think about it, in John 10, 10, it says the enemy, our opponent, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's the way, the truth, and the life. This is just my opinion, and this may not even be accurate, but it seems very clear to me that the enemy comes to steal the way so that he can kill the truth and he can destroy the abundant life. So we become caricatures of who we really are with platitudes, cliches, and talking points, but very little movement, motion, risk, and mess. I would hear preachers over the ages, and I've been in so many sermons, i heard so many preachers say, I want to tell you what God is doing. So I want to join the cacophony of preachers and tell you what I think God is doing. In fact, I'm going to tell you God is doing what God is always doing. God is doing what he's always done. God is doing again with another generation what he did with the last. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For Abraham had his path, and then Isaac had his path, And then Jacob had his path, and so every successive generation has their opportunity. And their opportunity is simple, it's not complicated. The invitation is clear follow me, no matter what it means. If I could tell you, parent, because you know I'm thinking about parents all the time, I think about parenting every day all day, because I have teenagers and I'm starting to wonder, are they going to be good humans? You know, when you're raising kids, you always think of them as kids. And then it dawns on you one day, I was never raising kids. I was always raising adults. And you're like, oh no, for I am an adult and I am not well. You know, when you're like, what shall I do? But I I know what he's doing. For the Holy Spirit of Jesus came to this man and said, follow me. But now I must position these three humans under my home to see, acknowledge, and receive their own invitation. He's going to ask you. To follow him, Dad. When he says follow me, what does he mean? I don't know exactly, but it's going to be the adventure of a lifetime. Paul writes, and I'm done. I'm 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 done. I blame all of you because you listened too good. (laughs) Such manipulation. But I'm a broken man. Uh, But. Paul said, um, in his writings to the other Christians, he said, I'm going to go here. Man, I feel this for somebody. I'm going to go here and then I'm going to go here. But then he, he feels impressed by the Holy Spirit to write in these divine letters. And he always finishes it. Um, if the Lord permits, if the Lord wills and, um, Paul seems to try to articulate for us his connection to the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, I've made plans. But they're probably going to be changed. And I'll trust God in that. And, um, and I think I'm supposed to tell you that today. And something tells me that the closer we get to the second coming of the champion of the ages, that the generation that's getting closer and closer to the return and redemption of the whole earth, for there will be a new heavens and a new earth, something tells me that it will be that generation that will be more in tune with the brevity and vapor and nature of our existence, and we will embrace deeply, and we will drink wonderfully and deeply of his presence and his sufficiency, and where we go will lessen in importance to who we go with. I predict globalization is a setup for God. And God is going to send some of your, God's going to send some of your babies to the ends of the earth. Because there's something so much bigger than convenience and comfort in play here. And it's a father who loves his kids like we cannot quantify. So um, the truth is, I know about as much as the direction of this church as you do. And that's just the way it is. Tomorrow we have a board meeting. Bishop T.D. Jakes will be there. I always get nervous. Russell Wilson will be there. He doesn't make me as nervous. Devon Franklin will be there. Lou Taylor, Abby tell you our whole board. And I will sit with them, with our CEO, David Kroll, my wife, Chelsea. And we will talk again about God's plans. (laughs) But when that two hour call is over, I will look probably at my ceiling because that seems like the most spiritual thing to do when you're talking to God is like, look up, you know, which is so weird, but that's what we do. We probably should just be like, hey, God. That's probably more accurate. But who does that? Hey, God, how are you? Probably look up. Your kingdom come and your will be done. In church home as it is in heaven. This doesn't belong to anyone. This, this is God's. And so is your family and so is your future. So are your days here. So that's our prayer, isn't it? I mean, isn't it? Our Father who art in heaven, your name is holy because you are every bit of what your name describes. Hallowed be your name. We want your domain on earth as sure and visible and manifest as your domain is in a realm outside of time and space. And while we're here, your kingdom come and your will be done. And I hate to do this with that sweet lady on Discovery Channel. God, help me forgive. That's in the prayer. Thank you that you have forgiven me so I can forgive my brother for yours as the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Come on, church Isn't he wonderful, or is that just me? Isn't he matchless, or is that just me? Isn't he everything we're looking for, or is that just me? Isn't it always ever been about him? Isn't it always ever been about knowing the mystical, magical, wonderful, perfect, sinless father of the ages? Do tell me what's most important. Prove to me there's something more important and I'll give my life to it. But I've never met anyone like Jesus. So where he says, that's what we'll do and that's where we'll go. We will go with him. I'm done. I could talk another hour because my heart is full, and I sense the presence of God, and I sense the spirit of God moving people, just moving people, just moving people, moving you in your soul, moving you in your heart, moving you in your mind. He's going to move you in your feet. He's going to move. There's a move. There's a shift. There's a transition. There's an adjustment. There's a rethinking. There's a reviewing. There's a move. It's happening in and through and on and around you. It's happening today. Truth has a way. Truth has a way. You can find us in the way. You want to find me? I'll be in the way. You want to hang with me? I'm going to be in the way. I'm going to be in the highways and the byways and wherever it is bleak and wherever it is dark and wherever people are broken, wherever people are overlooked, wherever people are being hurt and destroyed and killed. That's where we're going to be. That's where we're going to be. That's where we're going to be. Jesus, we thank you for your your church. We thank you that we are living stones being put together, woven together, built together, brick by brick, life by life, person by person. You will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are your called-out community. We are your people. We are your sons, and we are your daughters. We are your chosen generation, your royal priesthood. We thank you today for every mom, every dad, every uncle, every aunt, every grandma, every grandpa, every son, every daughter. We thank you for what you're doing. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. You have our attention. You have our focus, you have our adoration, you have our love. It's for you. It's for you. It's for you. For you, you, you in the room today. You are the desire of all nations. You are the culmination and zenith of the human existence. It is you, a wonderful one. Oh king, oh master, leader, guide, comforter, counselor. It's you. It's you. It's you. It's you. It's not hard to worship you. It's not hard to talk to you. It's not hard to walk with you. It's not hard to be in love with you. It is easy. It is easy. Your yoke is easy, and your burden is light. Oh, we cast all our cares upon you because you care for us. And the steps of a righteous man, those steps are ordered of the Lord. And we thank you, Father, you'll never leave us, orphan. Never leave us nor forsake us. And we thank you for that today. We thank you for that today in the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. Jesus my sense when the believers get together there ought to be like a there ought to be a flow the preaching of the scripture should lead to prayer and prayer should lead to singing and singing should lead to preaching and preaching should lead to praying we are we would every service is a prayer service every service is a worship service every service the gospel is be preached god is in this place if you need to start praying if you want to start singing whatever it is that you need to do that's what we're doing we're encountering god truth is to be encountered more than explained. His presence is in the room. He is your guide. He is your counselor. He is your healer. He is your provider. Jesus can heal cancer. Jesus can open blind eyes. Jesus can restore your family. Jesus can save your marriage. Jesus can set you free from addiction. Jesus can do anything. Nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too difficult for God. God can do anything, you know. God can do anything. you know he is the beginning and the end what he started in you he can finish he can complete it the promises he promised to you he can fulfill them in the next generation and the next generation our God is not mocked whatever a man sows that also shall he reap he is true to his word there comes times and seasons there are seasons of planting, and there are seasons of reaping. And I got got a hunch today that there's some people in this room, you're going to come into a season of reaping. God's going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask, think, or even imagine. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I know I'm talking to somebody. God is good. God is faithful. God is true. He's the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Though you feel isolated, though you feel alone, though you feel overlooked, I'm telling you, God is with you. And at the right time and in the due season, God will lift you up. And what God has blessed, no man can curse. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Woo! Jesus. 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 Jesus, just before we start singing with the singers, woo! I want us, just for a moment, if you're here or you're watching and you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers, you can't earn it, you can't deserve it, you can't merely study it, you just accept it. You just receive it. If you'd like to receive the full and total eternal forgiveness for all of your error, your wrong, and your sin, in one moment of faith you can receive that through the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to receive his sacrifice as your sacrifice and have a friendship with God that will never end, on the count of three, all over the world and all over this room, if you'd like to receive that free gift, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, just lift up your hand. God, I thank you, you see every hand, but more importantly, you see every heart, and I thank you in one moment of receptivity, we are saved, we are delivered, we are made new, we have a connection with God that's unbroken, and we celebrate the salvation of God that comes in the person of Jesus, and we thank you for what you're doing in our life.